0: to CMIO podcast, a show devoted to educating and informing those who are making healthcare easier for others. Whether you're involved with informatics, analytics, or new technologies that make the lives of our practicing clinicians better, this show is for you. My name is Dr. Mark Weissman. I'm a practicing physician and CMIO and the host of CMIO podcast. Today covering the news to know for the week of December, uh, excuse me, November 25th, and we are coming up on Thanksgiving. And for those of you who have to work on Thanksgiving and have to commute in and like listening to podcasts on your way in. Yes, I will put out the normal podcast on Thursday, just like we always try to do. And it's going to be Dr. Andrew Mellon, who is the uh, Chief Medical Officer for Shore Scripts, coming on the show. It should be a really great conversation. All right, let's go into the news of the week. So unless you're living under a rock, you probably heard that the Wall Street Journal did a story about Google and Ascension having a data deal. And everyone was all uptight and upset about this. this. They're going to get access to our data. It's not going to be de-identified enough and Google can put together who it is and then target you with advertising. Well, I'm not going to talk so much about that. I want to talk more about what the doctor said. Because Dr. David Feinberg came out, and he's the, he's the head of Google Health. And I trust him, uh, I, I, and there's another doctor who we'll talk about in a second here. But they came out with their, their response maybe a little late in terms of the PR cycle here because Google took a, a little bit of a pounding. And then they, they came out, and I think they've recovered fairly well with what they're saying if people are open to listening to the message. And I think doctors in particular will be. So I'll read you a few lines. Uh, This comes out of fierce healthcare. David Feinberg, MD, head of Google Health, took to the web on Tuesday to directly address growing controversy swirling around the tech giant's deal with Ascension. Google and Ascension are both facing significant blowback, including scrutiny from regulators and lawmakers following news last week, first reported by the Wall Street Journal, that Google was collecting personal health information on millions of Americans as well as part of a partnership with Ascension. He sought to clarify how the tech giant is using Ascension's data to build, and this is in quotes, an intelligent suite of tools for clinicians, including a tool that aims to make health records more useful, more accessible, and more searchable by pulling them into a single, easy to use interface for doctors, end quote. Uh, Google wants to take its two decades of experiencing building products like Google Search, Google Translate, and Gmail, and adapt that technology to help clinicians find information more efficiently, he said. We wanted to take the functionality that we know from organizing information and put it on top of your record so that when your doctor is looking for something, like did you have an MRI? How did you have a response to this medication before? We can pull up that information from your record, so the doctor can spend more time with you, looking at you instead of looking at the computer. And he's saying this. He, this is a video he put out. And if you go to YouTube and uh, type in what's the name of this? Google Health tools to help healthcare providers deliver better care. And it's Dr. Feinberg. If you if you Google that into YouTube, put that into YouTube, it will it will come up. Um, a separate video. This came out. This is by Alvin. I think it's Raj Kumar. Sorry then if i said that wrong he's the product manager at google and he's also a practicing internal medicine physician and he actually gave a glimpse of what it looks like he he did a demo on his video which is also worth looking on youtube for uh, he says we want to empower clinicians to make it easier to access complex clinical data with tools that are delightful to use he said noting that healthcare data is siloed and the tools for frontline clinicians are clerical and suboptimal for decision making so he demoed this tool. I took a look at it, and I really liked it. It's, it's, it's not real patient data in there, and it's not available for commercial use yet. This is just what they're, it tells you what they're thinking about. And when they were searching for things, it was great. They're saying here that you can query the chart using your own words, including typographical errors, and uh, you can have clinical shorthands like ABX for antibiotics or CXR for chest X-ray, and it'll know what you mean. The tools uh, features include the use of smart composed technology to complete common clinical phrases and automatically detects and highlights text that has been copied and pasted from prior notes. So I saw them do this. Uh, they were trying to talk about the maximum uh, elevation of the creatinine. And so as you started typing in the maximum uh, C R, and then it would pop in. It would start to pre-fill in for you the, the creatinine and and the the level the 2.1, and you could choose the last one, the highest one, or the first one as options, and you would just select which one you wanted to pop into your note. I thought that was really great. It just brought up the uh, the clinical data like that right into your note. I don't think Google's tools for note. Writing, what makes it so valuable. Really, what was valuable though was the chart search. And so I would, uh, I, I could type in echocardiogram, and if that was in a scanned in PDF document, it could find it. That's valuable because we still have a ton of stuff that's scanned in. So Let's talk about this for just a second, because again, there's a lot of hype, a lot of angst and people who are concerned about privacy. Yes, I get that. Dr. Feinberg had a pretty compelling argument when he said that, hey, we've got third party auditors that come in and make sure we're doing this right. We really believe in the mission on this one. We're not using this for advertising. This is to develop better healthcare tools. And I trust him. I trust him because he's got the MD after his name. He understands. He knows what we're doing in the field, in real life, and I think these guys are genuine. That's just my two cents on it. Others see Google as being evil. So, uh, I think that chart search is a big time sink for my providers. I'm typically seeing numbers that are averaging between two to three minutes per ambulatory uh, appointment. That's according to the vendor supply tool that we are using. It's probably an underestimate. Because if I'm spending time looking at outside records, that data is not captured in terms of if I'm, I'm looking at uh, a cardiologist note that has come into to me that's not going to be captured. So. Also, don't forget about the time that your staff are putting in trying to request and hunt down and then when they figure out they didn't get it, hunt it down again, all those outside records. So if all this information can be brought together, fantastic. So inpatient providers, they can have even a harder time trying to get records, particularly after hours. They have to log into another EMR or another portal if they have access to it or they just go without. And it's really bad with stuff coming from the nursing homes because they're almost never integrated. Or reporting to an HIE or anywhere where you can get the data so it's really frustrating and I just don't see the EMR vendors solving this at least they haven't done it yet and they've had more than a decade to do it so if Google is trying to step in to the arena here and get into the fray great fantastic the more people helping us the better and perhaps I'm naive even thinking that Google is not going to use the data for search and advertising but I again I trust dr. Feinberg if he says they're playing by the rules, then I think we should give them the benefit of the doubt. And there is a quote. This one comes out of histalk.com. Over 80% of poll respondents think that Ascension's data analysis agreement with Google is legal, but two thirds also think the relationship is unethical. So most people are not giving them the benefit of the doubt. I will put links to the Google Health videos in case you want to look at them i'll put them on the uh, on the website and you can check it out for yourself see uh see what you think next this one comes out of jamia and the title is effect of default order set settings on telemetry ordering and it came out back in september i must no i take it back it looks like it's being listed in the december issue here online at least Uh, but uh, if it came out in september i missed this one and i i really like it so here's what they found they were trying to see if you defaulted in telemetry whether that had an impact on telemetry usage and so for january 1 2017 to may 1st 2018 they looked at 1163 patients admitted using the residency customized version of the admission order set which initially had telemetry pre-selected and what they found is that it went from seventy-nine point one percent of patients to twenty-three point excuse me twenty-one point three percent of patients. So, and then they had a control group which had no significant change. So, really, yes, you can steer clinician behavior using clinical decision support tools. We kind of knew that. This is great just to highlight. I bet I'm assuming this was some residents that did it. I love it. Um, They do recognize that their study was limited and that they're unable to determine if the change in ordering behavior had a significant impact on patient care safety. So perhaps there were patients that should have had telemetry that didn't because they did not get the the nudge for ordering the telemetry. Uh, I think it's great to look at this from a utilization standpoint. We probably overuse tele. If it's pre-checked for me on my admission orders, yeah, I'm going to leave it. I'm going to take it off Why? yes, everyone needs telly. Uh, your DNR, I'm sorry, you're still getting on telly. No, you shouldn't do that. So I do think that it's great article. Take a look. It's in Jamia. Next article also came out of Jamia and a patient and family reporting system for perceived ambulatory note mistakes experience at three U S healthcare centers. So this article I thought was really interesting because uh, I'm heading into an open notes scenario for, for uh, my health system we're, we're gonna we're gonna try to release. Right now we're releasing discharge summaries. We're gonna try to release everything. And so this system or the, the, they looked at three centers. They were a northeast urban academic adult medical center. They had a pediatric medical center and a southeast nonprofit hospital network. And so then patients and families reported on potential documentation inaccuracies after reading primary care and subspecialty visit notes and then they uh, they had some experts that looked at and said were the things that they were complaining about clinically significant. And so they received 1,440 patient and family reports. And they identified potential inaccuracies of 25% in the adult clinic, 35% in the peds clinic, and 28% in the southeast not-for-profit hospital network. Um, The findings were considered significant in in terms of resulting in a change of care or change to the medical record. Rough uh, 55 to 67% of So I do wanna highlight a few things from this study. So they have a table in here, table two, that asks the question to the patients, do they understand the note? And between 87 and 94% from those three different hospitals where yes, the patients were understanding the note, because I hear that all the time. Oh, we shouldn't release the notes, the patients won't understand them a lot of them are here it looks like understood the care plan between 92 and 95% those are strong numbers uh, expected to follow the care plan 97 and 98% so big numbers there which I thought was interesting listen to some of these documentation inaccuracies because I thought 25% that feels high to me we don't make mistakes 25% of the time so let me read you some of these are as examples of some of the things they found so one of them here, this is the patient uh, speaking, date and type of transplant was not correct. Yikes. Here's another one. Uh, he is not currently on 6-MP. He started abacept Orensia at the end of August. And another medication one, Amatiza is missing, Femotidine is missing, Magnesium is missing. And I think that starts to feel right now as so we say ooh, medication uh, errors. Yeah, we probably don't have great med lists all the time. It's quite possible. Twenty five percent of the time we have a medication, uh, le- either something that's on there that shouldn't be or something is missing. Oh, listen to this one. This is a physical exam finding one. The exam listed was not performed to the extent noted, especially the anal examination, which did not take place. This paragraph looks like it was cut and paste from another record. Ouch. Uh, Let's see. Uh, It stated that I identified PCP as Dr. X. This is inaccurate. My PCP is Dr. Y. I've never even met Dr. X. Whoops. Note refers to the right knee at first, which is correct, then switches to the left knee, which is incorrect. And final one here is this note was filed under the wrong child's record. So uh, another statistic here, relatively few reports indicated bothersome, lang- bothersome language in the note about 9% in the adult and 8% in the pediatric clinic. So their, their summary here is that medication errors in medical records are common and engaging patients and families to review visit notes may help to reduce errors, adverse events, and perhaps even preventable readmissions. Despite concerns that inviting patients and families to identify potential inaccuracies that would impact the therapeutic relationship between the provider and the patient and family member, more than half of all respondents volunteered to report positive feedback about their providers. This finding resonates with prior studies that suggest that transparent notes can improve trust and patient-doctor relationships. Also, comments provided by patients and families reflected their desire to help improve the accuracy of the medical record many respondents who noted a possible mistake also provided positive feedback suggesting that they were not using the system unilaterally to voice concerns so i'm heading into this open note journey uh, i'm not sure how many of you are going to do that this whole uh, inter uh, information blocking thing that's coming out from the government is motivating many of us to say, okay, let's just do it. We there there seems to be this movement of let the patients see their charts. So I'm heading that way. And this study gives me some firepower at least to go back and say, Hey, the patients, they get it and they can help us. And we are making mistakes, which is unfortunate, but maybe they can help us clean some of that up. So great article if you're looking to go towards uh, open notes. All right, next. This was a study that came out of class. That's KLAS, and they are a they are a consulting company that does a lot of surveying, particularly around medical records. And one of their surveys they're doing is around patient satisfaction tools. And there are a slew of them out there. That's one of the things they said that there's just huge numbers of these tools out there, and they're trying to get what are the capabilities of all these tools according to the vendor? These are not independently validated. They're taking the vendor's word at what they can do. So here's a couple of lines from this article. And this was, it came out within the last week or two, November 7th. Sorry, a little bit more than that. Um, here's what they said. So first they go on saying that all scripts, Cypher Health and GetWell Network were standing out as multi-product offerings that were at least fairly well aligned with provider health systems. And when I they say that, I think what they're meaning is that what provider health systems are looking for is to improve their HCAP scores, to get patients into the clinics with appointments and payment. Those are the three things I think are really key that are being done there are other things that can be done that they're looking at such as wayfinding and having a portal and telehealth services Um, and those are well the portal everyone has because they wanted to meet meaningful use but uh, the these other vendors all have some kind of of portal capability in them as well for for the most part all right so uh, patient adoption of portals is typically limited though partly to usability challenges the self-reported capabilities of vendors that offer portals are some of the most closely aligned with provider priorities such as bill pay and patient self-scheduling and they cite epic all scripts next-gen Cerner all being in in the um, target zone for doing well on this um, let's skip down a little bit there were some that covered a wide breadth they, they tried to do a little bit of everything and epic uh, was one of those that's that's in there uh, it's interesting they mentioned Salesforce is being used by many organizations for their crm their customer relationship management tool they mentioned that epic has one they don't they, they have built it but i have not seen it released to the best of my knowledge at least when i was at ugm they still had indicated the crm package was not released so if the vendor is claiming it is uh yes they sort of have it but it's not in commercial release yet to the best of my knowledge Uh, so something like salesforce is a tool that's typically used and bolted on to epic in order to manage the hey when was last time this patient came in what kind of marketing have we done to them recently and what kind of marketing should we be doing to them next Uh, let's see By and large, the most common customer outcome reported by vendors is increased patient satisfaction measured through HCAP scores, direct surveys, and other measures. Other top outcomes are also provider-centric, which is increased staff efficiency gained through tools that bypass manual processes, reduced patient no-show rates, improved financial outcomes such as lower AR days or increased collections. There are a ton of tools. You probably get contacted by someone who says they have the latest and greatest patient experience tool and patients can self-schedule online. If you're on Cerner or on Epic and I think NextGen, these tools already exist. So you're trying to figure out what is the added value. And there are some things that that these outside vendors can do that are powerful, like a Salesforce, because I haven't seen a great CRM uh, product in the marketplace from an EMR vendor. And I think those tools are really important for population health, so don't underestimate the value of that CRM patient outreach is huge and next gen. A matter of fact, there was another line in here. Let's see if I can't find it. NextGen had recently. Yeah, they bought. Oh, sorry. It was all scripts that they had bought health grid and that allows them to do patient outreach. And that ability to touch the patient saying hey you got an appointment coming up you're due for your mammogram really valuable information especially when it's coordinated with the EMR so my two cents for CMIOs is you're going to get overwhelmed by the number of vendors out there if you go to Hims, I bet you all 80 of them are going to be there and they'll be very eager to see you you walk by with a badge as a CMIO and try to convince you that their solution is the one that you want um, take a look if that's the case if you're in the market for patient engagement tools you might want to check out this class survey It gives you some pretty good ideas as to who's got what in their, in their toolkit oh here's another article to touch on Wisconsin-based nursing home IT vendor virtual care provider is hit by ransomware taking down electronic patient records internet service email billing and phone systems across 80,000 PCs and servers running hundreds of nursing homes in 45 states this is coming from histalk.com the hackers demanding 14 million to provide the encryption key which the company says it can't afford virtual vendor Uh, the virtual care provider inc says some of its client facilities may be forced to shut down due to their inability to order drugs generate bills and pay employees ironically this company sells it security and hipaa risk analysis services Uh, ouch Um, hopefully this will not be your organization tomorrow and there's risk everywhere 14 million again these prices are going up it's uh it's scary All right, let's talk about Medicare Advantage. So this came out November 22nd. It's in healthcarefinancenews.com. Humana's Medicare Advantage value-based programs reduce healthcare costs by 3.5 billion, report shows. Uh, Humana's revenue is projected to increase 17% in the Medicare Advantage membership and through some premium increases, and they're also anticipating um, some reduction in their workforce. So, Medicare's fee-for-service model um, have 27%. Let's try that again. So the Medicare Advantage members have 27% fewer hospital admissions and 14.6 fewer emergency room visits compared with the Medicare fee-for-service model. And I think that's interesting. I won't read you the rest of the article here, but I think, how are they achieving this? what are they doing because if i'm a primary care doctor and i've got a patient in front of me do i think ah this one has medicare advantage let's not send him to the emergency room well, no i really don't do my care differently depending upon your insurance But i think there are some factors at play some of which a CMIO will be touching into some medical groups are taking on more risk and they really are changing the way that they behave they're creating after hours access they're providing telehealth access they're utilizing outreach tools and They are putting in place tools that consider the cost of medications and so they are actively trying to reduce the cost of care. I think it's phenomenal that there's these independent medical groups out there that are tackling this. When these medical groups tend to be owned by hospitals, they're usually not quite as aggressive because reducing hospitalizations and emergency department visits actually has a negative effect to the bottom line, even though you make some money in your Medicare Advantage shared savings program you would lose the revenue on um, your fee-for-service patients and they say it's not worth it Uh, number two as to why things are different humana is doing things differently Uh, they have nurses going out to do annual wellness visits and they start suggesting the preventative services Uh, at my previous organization humana embedded a case manager into our administration building to help hunt down these high risk patients and drive care to them to reduce their risk. And these groups that are really doing the third thing here that really makes a difference is they're playing in the HCC game and they're playing it aggressively. And that's because providers want the shared savings. Providers that aren't heavily invested into Medicare Advantage could care less about the HCC code, so their patients aren't going to look as sick compared to the Medicare Advantage patients. So if you haven't seen if you're not familiar with how medicare advantage works if you're new to that there's a video and i'll put the link to the video it's by dr eric bricker and he does a pretty good job explaining what medicare advantage is and why the insurance companies are so fond of it and it is because they they do make more money on a medicare advantage product particularly if the patient is coded accurately really documenting all of their diseases with the HCC codes that tells CMS this is a high risk patient, therefore, they're allocated more money. And as CMIOs, you definitely can have an impact on this because there are plenty of tools and clinical decision support type things that you can help build in to help put this stuff in front of the provider. There are dashboards and other pieces of data that you can show Here's who in your system is engaging with HCC scores, and here it, who is completely ignoring them. And that is really one of the major ways that they're changing and saying that they're saving so much money. They're getting some money because by saying these patients are sicker, and probably accurately so. Um, interesting, interesting way. Uh, am I convinced that there's significant differences? outcomes mortality and patient uh, health improvements i'm going to say small i'm i'm not convinced that there's real change yet happening in the system that is truly bending the way we provide care not yet i don't think there's enough medicare advantage out there today that that's driving it all right next article uh let's do a time actually we're at 28 minutes here let's let's wrap it up that's enough for for this week thank you for listening to CMIO podcast I've been your host Mark Weissman reach out to me on LinkedIn or email me at cmiopodcast.gmail.com at gmail.com or go to the website at cmiopodcast.com. some of your ideas for shows guests you'd like to hear from general feedback or just to connect I look forward to bringing you our next episode.